I think what we're basically saying is to be invisible and not be a creep, you have to be a woman. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Geek Chew. What? That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we'll just keep rolling the podcast where we talk about uh, the geeky stuff that we that we like. Um, my name's Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is provided by my brother, Ryan. Um, today, I guess we're mostly talking about... The Bitch Planet triple feature number one issue that came out from Image Comics, um, spinoff of that that series that one of us caught up on. <laughs> and uh, I'm not too far behind, am I? I don't. I doubt it. It doesn't. The frequency is uh, spotty, right? Did you read the essays in the back? No. No. Cool. I think that the first, like the letter from Kelly Sue DeConnick talks about their, their schedule, but wow, way off. Mm-hmm. We're right. also going to talk about the last two episodes of American Gods. Right. Um, but before that, we had like a, uh, a Wonder Woman Redux uh, <laughs> experience. We went to see it again, uh, what, I don't know, like almost two weeks ago now at this point. But it was, it was cool. We got to go to uh, our preferred theater. Mm-hmm. And they have um, a new beer, which is nice. Breaking Bud IPA. Who makes that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I had it once, but um, once before, but it was delicious. So we got there. Uh, you might be able to see on our Instagram a picture that was taken. It was initially <laughs> supposed to be what a selfie, and yes. you, uh, we had. You were having some trouble. Here's the thing. <laughs> we take took that picture after the movie. It wasn't before the movie. It was before the movie. No, it was after because we didn't see it on the way in. There's nobody behind the ticket counter on our way out of the movie. Hmm. I can check the timestamp. I texted someone about it right after. I'm pretty sure it was after the movie because by then I had had like five beers. I'm the two beers I had at home. That's what makes it funny is that you you were already having some trouble by the time we got to the movie. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> it is true. We can check the timestamp on the Instagram because um yeah, the lady had to come out from behind the ticket counter. <laughs> and what did she say to you? <laughs> she said, "Can I take this picture for you? Watching you makes me makes me hurt." Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. So Anyway, the second viewing of the movie was, it was still good. You know, I, we listened, um, or we have listened to some, some podcasts about it. I know you probably listened to the pop culture happy hour where they talked about, uh, the, some of the, the fight scenes and the slowing down and the iconography that they're creating with the movie. And it was just cool to see it again. I don't know. The action scenes are just really cool. Like when they're, especially, you know, um, well, one thing that I noticed the first time and forgot to even bring it up, uh, when she's like smashes through the window, hitting the guy through the glass and everything made me think of like wanted, you know, just like, Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen, I think I started that movie again, like several months ago and like got 10 minutes in before something else came up and I never got to get back to it. Really? I watched it with Courtney. Not too oh, long ago. that's what it was. I needed to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it was it was really good, and um, I know that weekend it kind of destroyed the uh, the other big release. Uh, that was its second weekend, and destroyed the Mummy, which came out. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting the Mummy to do very well. 
I think Universal was. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well. and it was a Tom Cruise movie. I mean, they pumped two hundred million dollars into the advertising alone for that that movie. And you know, they have these. Uh, it's supposed to be the Universal monster universe kind of rebooted. Right. And they have all these stars lined up for the next movies about Frankenstein. I think Javier Bardem and um, the Invisible Man. Oh, I wish I could remember. I think Benicio del Toro is supposed to be in one of them. But yeah, they. Um, have you ever read there. The Invisible Man? Mm-mm. It's a quick read. It's short. We have it. You should read it. It's interesting. Yeah. How people take that short, I guess, like novella and like expand it to make it. I mean, it's cool, but like when you think about the. Um, the, the original man story in like pop culture versus the original story yeah i mean it, they keep it here's the thing and this is sort of a tangent if you were going to be invisible we're not allowed to do tangents on this podcast <laughs> if you're going to be invisible is there any like real good that you can like if you chose that invisibility as your superpower like is that really like a hero trait to have as being invisible well, I mean, I'm sure it could be put to good use. How? The invisible, well, there's the invisible woman. Yeah, who but she uses also it uses, to hide and to spy. She also has like a force field yeah, kind of power. But that's not because she's invisible. But those are those are heroic things. Not hiding, but spying. <laughs> you can collect a lot of useful information. Yeah, but, I don't, I mean, we've uh, not but read a ton of Fantastic like, Four. No, but, but I'm just saying spying itself is like, a sneaky behavior, whether right. you're using it for good or for evil. Sure. Right. Yeah. So any, yes. So it's impossible it's, to not be a creep when you're invisible. Is what right. You're yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Well, so if you want me to argue with that. No, no, no. <laughs> so I just think it's, it's just cool. I I actually, know. I don't. Because people think of it as like, oh, you could use this for good. But really, it's like a creepy, it's like Do a creepy thing. Do people think that? I, I, I mean, there's so. the invisible woman, but every other, because every other version of the invisible man that I've seen, and I haven't seen many, but I saw um, like Hollow Man. That's not cool. That's mm-hmm. not cool at all. No. <laughs> uh, and then what about Chevy Violet? Chase? Um, Violet's more like the invisible woman. Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying like people do take that character sometimes and put it on a hero. Yeah. I mean, that characteristic and put it on a hero but doesn't character. that mean it can be heroic I, yes but i'm just saying inherently that trait yeah is creepy i think what we're basically saying is to be invisible and not be a creep you have to be a woman <laughs> <laughs> that might be true so yeah anyway uh We'll see what happens with the Universal Monster Pictures, I guess, if they keep going. I think they're probably too far into it now to turn back. and They'll just hope that they um, can right the ship. Yeah, I mean... Tom Cruise is usually a pretty safe bet, though. He is, but I think maybe tying it so closely to, like, the original The Mummy stories with Brandon Fraser, which are among my... Like, they're just, like, my personal, like, movies... For us, like, I feel like they're kind of like yeah. our thing, um, which it's weird that we haven't watched them in so long because we need to then. Have we even watched we them with the kids? We should just get them digitally because- We really should, so I can just turn it on. That's the way we watch most movies, yeah. Right. So we'll do that today. And then, <laughs> um, I mean, because it's not the same. Like, they're not- Maybe in- it was like, maybe that's part of the problem. There was like confusion because I, my, my original impression when they said they were- doing that movie was that um that it was kind of tied to that universe but yeah. i think they're also trying to not tie it to that universe and make something different which i don't know how much that would matter as far as people buying tickets to go see it but right if they're going to use any of a similar backstory to the brendan Fraser mummy franchise they have to like say that they're pulling from that that's yeah. in otherwise then they're just like whoa they stole this do you know what i mean like so if they're i mean there's no way to not get criticism unless yeah. they're completely creating a whole new story but they're they i guess they weren't they really yeah. were pulling from that 
yeah. trying to make something uh, different. I don't know. Anyway, I'll I do want to see it. it. Yeah. yeah, I want to see Not it. In the theater, I yeah. don't want to go to the theater unless one day I'm really bored. And maybe I'll take one of the kids. Yeah. Um, Impractical Jokers. I oh, right. You've been watching about this. that just because, you know, Tell Him Steve Dave has been one of my favorite podcasts since we started listening to podcasts. And I, uh, I watched Comic Book Men a lot the first few seasons, but then we got rid of cable. Remember so that moment I had with Walt? At <laughs> the secret stash. At the secret stash. Um, that was such yes. a human moment. Yeah, very, very human. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, and I like that TV show and I knew Brian Quinn had his own TV show with some of his other friends called them practical jokers, you know, based on this comedy troupe that they were in called the tenderloins, but I had never, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why <laughs> I had never watched it because, you know, it's on true TV. We don't have cable. Um, and you know, it's, it's very, it's actually, it's in its sixth season now and it's a very popular show. And, uh, we started watching it on vacation because the you know hotel had cable right <laughs> and uh it's really really funny it is actually really funny um, because they're playing jokes mostly on themselves yeah which makes it less mean because sometimes those practical joke shows they make yeah. me cringe yeah and this one makes you cringe in like a, a different way a different way it's just um you know these three guys feeding this other guy uh, through an earpiece, things that he's supposed to do in, in whatever situation they're in. And, you know, if they uh, if they won't do it or can't get it done right, they get the, get the thumbs down, they lose that challenge. And it's just really funny. Yeah. Um, it seems like one of those things where we'll have to buy the seasons because it's not available on any um Well, how are you watching platform. it right now then? On the True TV app. Oh, but it's is like it a current season? Like, is it? Yeah. It's the current season that you're watching on the True TV app on the yeah. Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so, you can't backwatch. No. <laughs> you can't backwatch. That sounds gross. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe it is gross. Um, <laughs> you really want to invest money on these seasons? Because no. like, it's not like but a I thing that you're going to... But I want to watch all gonna, the seasons. Right. But, <laughs> but you know what you could... Maybe they have a... The base library has the Roku. You guys just got to get on the waiting list for that. Yeah. Maybe eventually it'll come out on Hulu as well sometimes. Mm, if there are six uh, seasons in, Eventually it things seems... usually drop, but yeah. even Comic Book Men's not available to stream anywhere. Um, but whatever. I think it's a couple other things worth noting for me was the uh, third season of My Dad Wrote a Porno podcast is uh, yes. a few episodes in. And it's still just really funny to. <laughs> um, I have figured out about myself that when I think things are funny, I don't always like just laugh out loud, especially when I'm in the car by myself, because you'll be like, oh, did you listen to the latest episode? I was in tears from laughter. And then I'll listen and I'm like, yeah, that was funny. But I wonder what part had him crying. Like, yeah. um, I mean, like, I think it's hilarious, but it maybe. Maybe my ice in my veins, heart of stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, through no fault of your own, <laughs> you just can't feel things. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then I think we talked about it last time, but the, uh, it's on, I'm on the third week of the Game of Thrones podcast, Binge Mode, where they're covering every episode. And I, I just, I like listening to those two talk about it. Me and really too. looking forward to season seven, which is like less than a month away, I think. Yeah, they and have. Um, they're going to be doing that after show on Twitter instead of HBO. So it's Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion. They have a really good dynamic when yeah. they're talking about these things. I don't. Um, you think we would have as good a dynamic? Because <laughs> just because we've been married for fifteen years, yeah. known each other for twenty. Yeah, I mean twenty-one, whatever. The uh, a, a long time, but you're saying we don't. I'm just saying, like <laughs> the way that they. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. We don't. We yeah. need to get on board with how they communicate well, think, with each other about a passion that they have. It would be different. I think it would be different if we spent all of our work time prepping for um, conversations about specific things. Yeah, that's probably a valid point. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we spend uh, a limited number of minutes in our <laughs> off time trying to to come up with stuff to talk about. Um, but we do it because we like 
doing this. And. And. And I'm waiting for you to <laughs> tell us tell us why we do it. Oh, there's another reason? Oh. <laughs> oh, right. That's the only thing I can come up with. We do it for the listeners. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> um, but there was also, and I haven't seen what I need uh, from those guys, the binge mode guys, is for them to do another 15-minute video about the two-minute trailer that just right. dropped for Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, because they did it for the first trailer, which... But that was like a teaser trailer, so it needed some breakdown. This other one doesn't need the same kind of, like... I think it does. Expository. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe it does. Um, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do it and do a frame-by-frame. Frame with our extensive with our Game extensive of Thrones knowledge. With our extensive Game of Thrones knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that trailer looks looks pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. It it was more exciting than the first trailer because there's just a lot more action, which I think is what you're saying requires less explanation. Um, yeah, but I well, think if then, they like, were to break it down, you would probably they would probably have lots of backstory to every frame. Well, of course, but the thing is with the teaser trailer, it really is like a like a a, a frame of this, a frame of this, a frame of this. It's very fast moving in a short amount of time, whereas this has some i feel like it was the length. same i mean it's the same length they were both no 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 i mean some length to like what they're showing yeah. like with sansa walking through the that, forest and there's some narration over that and then you get like that moment for a little bit longer yeah. i feel like there's more moments in a shorter period of time i mean it uh, more moments in the same period of time and fewer you know what i yeah. mean so you get a, it's a different feel completely I like that shot of Lightbringer, though. That sword looks <laughs> awesome. Anyway, uh, did you have you had some other stuff, right? Oh, that yeah. I didn't did that I that you done did yeah that done did this week yeah yeah um so there's this show Younger, and I guess it came out in like 2015, but it's only just dropped to Hulu now. Yeah, I saw when you um, told me you were watching it. I saw. It that it's fourth season, the fifth season's already been picked up. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, that's exciting for me. So here's the thing. The premise of this story is this woman who is 40 and she has a older teenage daughter who's studying abroad and she's going through a divorce um, and trying to get back to work because she had put her work life on hold to be a mother and wife and um, and now all of that has changed, but she like looks young enough. She's pa trying to pass for 26 so she could get a job because she couldn't get any jobs as an older woman in this editorial business. She's a, a book person. Right. Um, and so, or, you know, so she wants to work for a publisher and basically like there, nobody will hire her even for an entry level position because they feel like she's like aged out of the market, right. you know, as far as valuable input. Um, and so she gets mistaken for being a younger person. She's in a bar and she gets hit on by a young guy and, and kind of sparks this idea to try to pass as 26. And she does now it's, it's really a very smart show and it's very funny. And, um, the, the sort you get like a lot of the, the dynamics of, trying to to fit into this world where you you don't really belong but also trying to stay true to yourself but also you're living a lie and you have anyway it's it, she ends up with like a, a much younger boyfriend who thinks she's 26 my main criticism is is the main um character her name's uh sutton foster she plays liza um who I, I looked up her IMDb. She's hasn't been like in much as far as like a, the leading role. She was Fiona in the Shrek musical on Broadway, which nice. is interesting. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I don't think she can actually pass for 26 though, which kind of, you know. That's your main criticism. <laughs> I mean, as far as like, yeah. I mean, like it's kind of like you were watching it and you're like, really? Like, eh. I mean, she looks young. But eh. a youngish woman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure whether it's believable that like she would really get mistaken for 26, which kind of hurts my heart a little bit because I, I, I feel like it might be believable that I would still get 
mistake him for 26. Okay. Would that happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the time. All the time. I think it does happen. Mm-hmm. You look great, huh? Oh, <laughs> Anyway, so, like, Hillary Duff is, like, her young best friend at work mm-hmm. who's, like, actually 26 and plays this girl, Kelsey, who she works with, who's, like, her work mentor, which is really hilarious. I haven't. Does Hillary Duff look 26? N- barely. Because I don't think she's 26. No, she's not. <laughs> she does pass for a little bit younger than Sutton Foster does. But mm. yeah, but even still, I'm not sure if they they do that to like make it a little bit more believable. I don't know. But Probably. Hillary Duff is great in this role. I really like her. It's great. And then um, Debbie Mazar, or is it Mazar? Anyway, she's been in like a gajillion things. Like you would just recognize her Mm -hmm. and she, anyway, she's, it's really great though. I think you would like the show. Um, even though you probably aren't even going to try it, but, but that's good. That means I can play it when you're home and you can just like see snippets here and there and see what I'm talking about. Mm. Or just completely ignore it and do my own thing. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, I thought we liked to spend time together. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. This is like the time that we, Yep, 45 minutes, locked in a closet. (laughs) (laughs) Recording studio, right? Right. Yeah. Um, These clothes are all for, you know, sound absorption. No, I don't think I have anything else. That's all I've been doing. Well. I mean, I am getting through the winter people as much as I can. And um, which is pretty, it's it's really good. It's just, I read like a paragraph and then my eyes close. And then I find the book on my face. And then mm. I have to put it aside and actually go to sleep. Yeah, so. it sounds good. <laughs> it's a real page It's because turner. I'm trying to read it at like midnight after I've been at work all day. But um, I guess we'll move on to Bitch Planet then. Speaking yes. of opportunities for women <laughs> in the workforce or lack thereof, I guess. So I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I feel like Bitch Planet has really not come out um, – Definitely not on a regular basis, but even I feel like I've seen one or two issues over the past year. And, and so I think this is just a, a good extension to the, to the universe because it's, um, it's going to be an anthology series. So like this number one issue, the triple feature is exactly what it sounds like. It has three different stories, short stories in it that show the, uh, you know, the greater world of you know, that has created bitch planet and how women kind of end up there or, or how they live in the world where this, um, right. Supermax prison exists. Yeah. World. Uh, I don't know. What did you think? Um, overall, I I mean, I think it's fantastic. I, I loved the stories. The first one was, I think the hardest for me to, like follow and uh, and and get into and and sort of understand. I probably should have gone back and read that one yeah. again. Um, just oh yeah, overall it it really shows how oppression leads to more drastic oppression or can. It takes these very uh, these situations that would happen to women or clearly happen to women all the time in in our world, like the world as it is now mm-hmm. and um, just kind of extrapolates from there uh, how how drastic things can, can be. Yeah. Have you it, used drastic twice? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, these stories as sort of like the unrealistic or the unreal world that they exist right. in. Because it's not unrealistic at all. Right. <laughs> They're actually very true stories that are barely an exaggeration yeah. of of the world that that we actually live in um which is heartbreaking and frustrating and disappointing i mean w- what's difficult is that there are plenty of people who would read that read those three stories and see them as a huge exaggeration of what Complete really goes fiction. on in the world and uh, as a work of, of fiction, but it's not, I mean, it it really just isn't. And that's like the the worst thing of all, you know? Yeah. So the first, the first story that you were talking about is called windows. 
It was written by Cheryl Lynn Eaton, and the art was Maria Froelich. And I think it, it kind of shows the precarious nature of trying to balance being a female in the workforce of this world. I don't know how, just, I mean, I guess in the parlance of like this, this comic book compliance doesn't make for an easy life. Right. (laughs) Um, But I mean, uh, the story is basically just a female medic on bitch planet. um, And, how quickly her career unravels just because of uh, uh, basically for no reason at all. It seems like and just, she yeah. gets blamed for uh, something that was, um, you know, direction given by, or, or she was overridden by, you know, even a, a male um, subordinate. subordinate. Yeah. So um, and she winds up in a, in a completely different position. She's reassigned and um, kind of, breaks from there i guess i don't mm-hmm. know um but it was uh it was a little more i don't know the first story was just a a little bit harder to i think because it starts off in such a um high energy scenario that's going on there's there's so much going on you sort of are just thrown right into this aggressive situation yeah. you kind of it's definitely the most violent story of the three yeah and <laughs> you're thrown into that you're you spend like several panels or even pages trying to to get your footing and where you yeah. are in the story yeah. and and everything happens so quickly in that story that keeping up is difficult on on like one one pass through yeah with um, yeah, i definitely i, I mean i read it read the whole thing twice um but that one was uh it you're right it just had a lot going on right and it needed a, a lot more attention paid i think like the time span that takes place over that entire story is is longer than much different than the first than the than the second two. The, third, the third one does kind of um in a different way play out over time but there's just yeah less but i going think it's on, like think. a one day of time yeah though whereas the middle story takes place over the course of maybe an hour yeah and, the um you think oh yeah yeah the middle story yeah mm-hmm. um <laughs> the middle story uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just uh recalling that um but the art in the in the first story i think is probably the closest to the actual um bitch planet comic book you think the art in which story? The first story. Yeah. Just seems like uh, artistically fits in that um, same kind of mm-hmm. vein. But I mean, it looks good. Um, but the second story is is much different. It's very uh, cartoony, almost anime. You know what? It seems like um, the, the sort of the impression that I got with the art in that story is that it was all done on vellum which mm-hmm. is a weird feel. Like it makes you yeah. think that you're looking at a different paper quality yeah. than to the story previous, which is really interesting. I'm not sure why that mm. choice was made in that, in that story, but I liked it. Yeah. It, uh, the second story is called without and within, uh, written by Andrew Aiden and the art was Joanna Estep. I'd say this story is, um, just kind of, indicative of of the power dynamic in the world mm-hmm. i mean the whole thing is i don't know how ridiculous the power dynamic in in the world is right yeah um i mean it's basically illustrates how in charge of everything the men are even as they do it incompetently which is mm-hmm. fair enough i mean the guy i mean the story is about i think the one assistant who it's her first day She's asked to do something. She gets basically sexually harassed and assaulted to a certain degree. Yes. <laughs> um, in, in in the other room when she's With supposed to be With the permission of the, her boss. Like, so this dude right. goes in and he's like, I don't want to, you know, step on your toes, pal. But, hey, I'm going right. to go mack on this girl yeah, that, that's your assistant. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knows what's going on, and then she still gets blamed for it. Right. For she doesn't bring him his speech. <laughs> it's funny. How, uh, he's a, a some kind of lawmaker, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Government of some kind. But so he gets up, you know, basically shooting from the hip, just using fancy words without any um, 
Yeah, just these platitudes, just yeah. spouting platitudes, basically, and not really saying anything of substance. But, you know, mm-hmm. in the end, you know, they all cheer for him. And, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, but also, again, very realistic how mm-hmm. somebody can just get up and s- just sound like a complete idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> people will um, cheer for them because they think that that person embodies uh, their ideals mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a very tight story played out very easy to follow um, and very disturbing. You mm-hmm. know? I think it and, was my favorite one. Yeah. The, the third one uh, was, <laughs> this is funny because the third one's called the invisible woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, written by Conley Lyons and Craig Young did the art with Marco D'Alfonso on uh, did the colors and the the art was was pretty cool in this one it's more of a realistic feel to it and uh, almost looked like it was printed in a newspaper mm-hmm. um, I don't know I mean this one's about uh, a woman who is vying for a promotion in her job and doesn't quite understand the expectations of um, society. Or refuses to understand, right. you know, the it's, expectations of... She just seems more naive um, about the oppression that's happening around her and, and what men are actually looking for out of a woman. Yes. Um, Thinking that she will get this promotion based on merit. Right. <laughs> crazy <laughs> so weird uh but ultimately you know she ends up fired um sees these uh i don't know i don't know if they have a, a name in the in this world but they're basically the resistance fighters you know they're spray painting uh right uh, what's the the president's name elizabeth doan dude i don't remember mm. it's basically the the jailed leader of the seems like what will become again a, a the pushback from right. from women uh in the series proper mm-hmm. and then you know she's kind of pushed to the breaking point where she realizes what's what's happening and she chooses her own individual um way of resistance and right uh i don't know i, I thought the the story was just i thought the point of the story was the power of individual resistance uh, as well as, as a group mm-hmm. or what you can do as an individual and to bring attention to whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. what did you think of the third one? <laughs> no, I mean, Hmm. I think it was more like the power of an individual and individuality is not something other. Like it's not something to be, um, that needs to be suppressed. Yeah. I don't know, the whole, that third story was interesting to me in that, I think um, the third story, the only one where the woman, you know where she's definitely like headed at the end of the story um, for her. Transgression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas the other two, they haven't gotten to that point of. Well, I'd say the first one is definitely heading there if she survives whatever happens next in that yeah. in that story. Oh, right. Uh, forgot about that. No. That's the one I read longest ago. And then, I mean, even the woman in the second story possibly will, you know, because she's already messed up through no fault of her right. own, really. Um, I think the the turnaround for the woman in the third story just moves a lot quicker. Yeah. From where she starts and where she ends up, um, just as far as her mindset goes and, and how she's feeling. And I'm not sure that she necessarily would have even made the choice that she made towards the end with the television cameras um, if she hadn't been spoken to by, you know, you know, hey, I see you. Will we see you, too? Mm-hmm. You know, like if that just that small interaction hadn't happened, I don't know. I don't know. It, that one I feel like is maybe the most thoughtful for me. No. Um, the most thoughtful, but the hardest to articulate. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, yeah. That is maybe it's I just have. because there's so much um, going on. I mean, it really, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was, um, 
really good uh, oh, yeah. uh three short stories that were all uh, really well done they all looked um really cool and uh, i really i really liked it we'll keep getting i don't i don't, th- I don't know if there was uh, a limit to the the anthology series like uh, a planned number of issues i didn't see that anywhere but it will definitely um keep coming out and we'll get it as long as it does um yeah yeah and and you know just like bitch planet they had a an essayist in the back wrote about um protest and, and violence and uh, the essay in the back was was kind of a a difficult read uh not because she was um wrong or you know didn't have valid points but it i mean it, basically the gist of it is at what, at what point is resistance um through nonviolent means just not enough and while that's not a point that you want to consider or hear i mean it ultimately you know it's just something that needs to be addressed and thought of and and it does have i don't know has its place in in the world obviously right. as I unfortunate mean, as, far as it is an idea for um, for thought you know yeah. but you didn't read it so no <laughs> we, i didn't but now i would like to yeah so um yeah you should check it out and then we'll keep we'll keep reading um but uh we'll hit the last two episodes of american gods pretty quickly because i think we're starting to run a little long right um but so ultimately i don't remember what happened into this in the second to last episode um so if you have it yeah it was give me a, a fresh take i know that they end up at easter right well the second to last is called the prayer for mad sweeney and the the bulk of the episode is um, oh right! How Matt His Sweeney story. comes to America, That's and they right. use um, is her name Elizabeth Browning, Emily Browning, the Laura Moon character, as a different character in in the bulk of the episode, and and they just kind of show um, his evolution as not a god, but um, as the le- you know a leprechaun and how his powers you know came to America or his being um, mm-hmm. came to America and the other uh, big reveal in the episode is that Mad Sweeney uh, at Wednesday's behest caused the accident that killed Laura Moon right now I don't remember I don't I don't remember that from the books but I do remember that Wednesday did start shadow on the, I don't know how we come to find out but right. that that the whole that this whole part of his story of his life was caused by Wednesday so then the next question is why and why shadow right not so the why I think well before we get to that the um the episode episode 7 was narrated by Mr. Ibis Ibis uh, Ibis that makes more sense because there's only one B. <laughs> but um, also, he's like, it, he's basically, he must have taken that um, calligraphy course that we did and practiced <laughs> a lot because he's writing it out and it looks amazing. But there's also, um, so there's this Entertainment Weekly, the website has um, recaps of every episode and they have um, also like short videos with members of the cast which are, are pretty cool. This last for the episode eight had Neil Gaiman and Bill Quist and um, Emily Browning or Laura Moon, mm-hmm. uh, Mad Sweeney and the showrunners and Orlando uh, Jones is actually one of the guys who's like working with EW to interview the other cast members. Cool. But one of the things they do talk about is how much earlier in the story they reveal that Wednesday is behind um, you know, the death of Laura Moon and, and so they, and the show itself doesn't address why shadow, but it does say that Wednesday wanted him at his lowest and that he had been intervening as far as getting him arrested and all that stuff, uh, so that he would be willing to come with him on this, um, mm-hmm. war, war path that they're, uh, going down. 
but I don't know. Uh, episode seven was, was just okay for me. I, I liked it more watching like the video of the showrunners and the cast talking about why, why they made certain decisions in the show and why this story was important as like, uh, in addition to the original story. Um, but w- while I was watching it, I was just like, okay, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, maybe that's why you don't remember much. I of almost it. feel like it was, it made me sad that they used a whole episode for it because right. there's so much seems... of this story to tell and now it's over until yeah. next season. And one of the things they said in, um, in the videos, uh, was that because of uh, budget constraints and other decisions that were made, uh, this first season was going to be nine episodes and then they cut it back to eight and they had to call Neil Gaiman and be like, Hey, this is what's happening. How should we do this? And they kind of changed the story and adapted it. And I mean, they seemed happy with what they had for the first season. Um, and it was good. I mean, it's good. Um, yeah, next season will be 10 episodes. Um, I hope it's 10 episodes with more things in it and like where the, the story moves along a little bit quicker. Um, because there's so much story to tell, like I can't watch this show for the next 10 years. Like I need it to, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's funny because I feel like, uh, after a lot of these episodes, I, I would say like, everybody's going to like, how, I don't know if a lot happened and you were like, I feel like so much happened. And now at the end of the season, you're like, come on, we got to get this thing moving. Yeah. Well, that was at the beginning. Like, but now, well, I think their plan is four to five seasons. So good because five seasons I can handle 10 seasons is, is the actor that plays some of these people even going to be alive? Mm. Like who knows? Harsh. I'm (laughs) just saying (laughs) 10 years is a long time. The season finale episode eight is called Come to Jesus. And I, I like this episode. I like this episode. I had to um, kind of rewatch it. This maybe was the most disappointing for me. Really? I love the Easter relationship with Shadow from the books. Mm-hmm. And it's just completely different here. Yeah. Not completely different, but it, it I mean, it's just played out a different way. And not that it wasn't well done in a good I just I just really loved that part like that in the books has stuck with me more than other parts that have just kind of, you know, filtered out of my memory. Um, So the way that they changed it up was just sort of, you know, made me sad inside a little bit. But it was still I mean, it was still really great for for. Be, they made that choice, and it's yeah, a good really choice. Know. But obviously, I don't know what what changed. I mean, to me, um, I mean, in the show, they they've only uh, their relationship is very um, much at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. there's not much of an interaction even there. There's just kind of like a um, seems like a an attraction between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I, I didn't really get much out of what we've seen of their relationship at all. So, right. um, maybe they'll get, well, I hope get closer to the book in, in the next season. Yeah. I love Kristen Chenoweth, but I feel like Easter's supposed to be chubbier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, fine. So the story, I mean, this, this episode, um, uh, the whole first chunk of it is Mr. Nancy, a Nancy, uh, making these suits for Wednesday and Shadow to go to this Easter party, but he's telling them the story of Bilquis, mm-hmm. um, which was, um, you know, it was it was pretty cool. But you see how you see how she came to America. Uh, you see how low she got, and then you kind of learn that she's made a deal with the new gods um, to come to come back to a certain degree of power, mm-hmm. and um, basically through tinder through online dating and stuff like that right i so love I was how they're incorporating about, yeah like the new technology that didn't exist right when neil gaiman wrote this book that's what i was going to say because i don't um i mean trying you know, to especially especially when you get that specific with cell phones and uh online online dating and stuff what what it was in the book i have no idea um trying to tell this story in this time period, you can't ignore those things. Right. Um, so I feel like it's, 
I just feel like those are really smart, intuitive choices that they're making to add those things in. Because you just can't ignore those those aspects of of American life right now. Right. And the whole thing is, it is American gods. It's not the whole world. So there is a certain amount being said about American culture specifically from these stories. Um, So that's just kind of fascinating. Um, I don't know how much more they're going to bring Bilquis in. She didn't have that much more of a role. Yeah. Um, It definitely seems like they're expanding her um, character based on not just the show and our conversations, but from what they've said in these kind of interview things on Entertainment Weekly. But, you know, at the end of the season, she's shown heading toward Wisconsin, which is where they're all eventually supposed to right. uh, wind so, up, I guess. But Here's what I need to stop doing at this point in the show is comparing the two stories because clearly they're going in different directions. So ultimately they're going to end up at the same place, I assume, I can't imagine a different ending. I just can't, but it might be. But um, I have to stop now because so many things have diverged. Yeah. I have to like stop being like, well, this and this and this. Um, otherwise, it's going to drive me crazy. But Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a while since I read a book that I really liked and then saw it adapted. And most of the time in the past, it's been movies and they've been very disappointing yeah uh, so, 11 63 yeah um that was i mean we i couldn't even get through the series right and i love james franco he's a genius but i just couldn't watch it yeah um the but the end of the, the end of this episode or the whole second half even more than second half is them at this easter party with Kristen chenoweth as easter and it's basically just a bunch of jesus um, Jesus's, <laughs> uh, Jesus from, I? yeah, from, <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I thought, you know, the one Jesus who's sitting on the, on the water in the pool and he goes to put his glass down <laughs> and drops down. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, basically, and from what I understand, that Jesus like doesn't show up in the book at all. Like he's not part of this, um, no, like American God conflict probably. Um, but in, in the of... show, they use it as, um, uh, because Shadow's supposed to be this American guy who doesn't believe, uh, but he's obviously intimately familiar with Christianity being in America. And right. that's, kind of how he realizes what's going on. It's not some magic trick. It's divinity that's mm-hmm. happening around him. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then uh, media shows up at the party. She, Jillian Anderson is, I guess she's uh, supposed to, I, I didn't know this just by watching, but she's supposed to be Judy Garland from Easter Parade. And the, Oh yeah. I didn't know either. Cause the, I've never um, seen it. The faceless, I couldn't figure it out. Um, new God's, uh, around her all dressed like Fred Astaire who's also in that movie um, yeah I couldn't figure it out apparently I'm not as well versed well well versed in Judy Garland uh, I don't know pop culture I mean <laughs> I like know. you think that their pop culture references are ones that are supposed to be very recognizable because they're worshipped pop culture references yeah so I, I like the I feel Fred like Astaire that one was a stretch people except for like the, the blank face was a little bit veiny for me. <laughs> it was kind of gross. But just the way they moved, it was kind of like, it was very Crispin Glover. Yes. Um, was it all Crispin Glover? I don't Did know. They just I, like, I doubt it. it. No, some of them looked like they were, tr- like some of them looked very Crispin Glover and then some of them looked like they were trying to yeah. be Crispin. So they must not have all been the, the same person, just like. Either way. Repeat. I mean, anyway. at the end, it's Wednesday, you know, reveals his name to to shadow tells him who he is. He strikes down a bunch of these Fred Astaire replicant things. Right. Um, and you know, and they get, they, they get what they came for. Easter is 
she's convinced to join their side, even though, you know, the episode, there's this push pull about, well, I still have this power because people celebrate Easter, but they celebrate Easter because they're celebrating Jesus. And she's just kind of, you know, has power by piggyback. Proxy. Yeah. It's, um, and, and he convinces her to, to join their side. It seems like, um, and she's got this moment at the end where the spring is in full bloom and they're kind of zooming up on her as she's getting ready to show her full power and then mm-hmm. just like death spreads the, yeah. <laughs> across the land. And, you know, they kind of leave it at that. And then Wednesday is like, tell, tell them that we've taken the spring and if they want it back, they can pray for it. And I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good episode. It was. And it was very powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot happened in that episode as far as like the tides of the war. No. Um, so that's interesting. Right. Well, that's, I mean, the end of the episode is, well, if, if you want a war, then that's what, that's, what's going to happen is basically Mm -hmm. it's the start of the war. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for season two. I am too. Um, what's fun for me though is that I know more of the lo- bigger picture. No, and you don't, and so that's fun for so me do to you watch actually it. Not want me to listen to the book until no, we've seen you five can. I'm just TV. Say, no. I, I mean, I would never say that. It's such an amazing book. I've been <laughs> wanting you to read it for years, but um, it's it's just that's it's fun for me. No, yeah. to to see you progress through the story naturally, you know, like that's, I think some of the enjoyment that I get out of it, yeah. uh, although the show itself is amazing, but like that just makes it even more yeah. fun for me. So, all right. Yeah, that was supposed to be a quick, quick <laughs> dip, but it was more than quick. So, so yeah, we'll definitely wrap it up. Um, but uh, to recap, bitch planet, still good. American gods, still good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was fun. It was smart. We liked it.